It was hard singing that last song without one just to throw punches in the air. We are more than... Seriously, how can you sing that song and not be moved by those words, man? We'd be defiant in his name. Our God is great. I'm excited about today's message because we're going to see some people who really became more than conquerors. And here's what I know to be true is at some point in our Christian journey, at some point in Christian history, I don't know when it began, but there was this lie that surfaced amongst Christians Could have been in the early church that began in Acts. I'm not sure. But it went something like this. And some of us have bought into it at different times in our lives. And hopefully, you've released yourself of this lie that Satan has from the pit of hell. And this lie that surfaced went something like this. If you or I or we have enough faith, God will always give us what we want, especially if we hold on to his truths and promises. Like, somehow, if if we have enough faith that... God will heal our daughter. God will heal our son. If we have enough faith, then we'll get that job that we're looking for. If we have enough faith, then our investments will in turn into these off-the-charts kind of returns. And and somewhere along this path, if we have enough faith, that, that, that we won't have to go through hardship. Like, somehow, God isolates us from hardship. And, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. While God can and does, doesn't mean that he has to or that faith is the basis for him to do so. So somewhere along this path, we see this. But the Bible is, shows us just the opposite in many cases. We see men and women of God who have great faith. I, I mean, if you go to Hebrews and you see the great hall of faith, I mean, faith that's off the charts, unwavering faith. Who have died a martyr's life. And if that was true then, why did they die a martyr's life? Why didn't God spare them? We even see in Hebrews that it says that many prayed, many believed, and yet they never saw them come to fruition in their lifetime. So we believe this lie that somehow if you have enough faith, then you will get this or you'll be isolated from that or God will always do something. Now, let me back up from that. We should have unwavering faith. We should have faith that doesn't doubt, but not based upon what we want to get from it. We should have faith enough to believe that if we hand it over to God, he's going to give us what's best. Anybody believe that today by by chance? Now, that's difficult for some of us because, like, we think, well, if I have enough faith, then God wouldn't allow this to happen or God wouldn't put us, allow us to go through this. However, what I do know to be true also is this, is that many of us think That we have faith, yet we hold too tightly to the controls of our lives and want it to work out the way we do. So we go to God and we pray, Lord, I believe this is a word from you. And this is, after I've read scripture, this is what I believe to be true. And so God, this is how I want you to work it out. And so we hold on to that truth, what we believe to be truth. We hold on to that answer, what we believe is the answer, and we control it. Like, we don't want God to have it anymore. Say, God, we're going to help you. Like, we're going to control this movement so that I get this dream. I get this vision. And I'm going to bulldoze my way through. And so we have Christians that are just these Christian bulldozers, just push their way through to get what they think God wants. And all the while, God is saying, listen, release control. And if you truly trust me, then follow in obedience, believe by faith, but release control. Let me demonstrate. Right here beside me is a pallet seat. 
that is used for a flight simulator. Be quite frank, I don't have a clue how it works. And that's quite part of the illustration. But you put Boyd Smith up here, or Greg Replogo, or George Hofsommer, or guys that fly, or Randy Gingrich. They would know what they're doing. But on this control, it allows you to fly the plane in a fight, flight simulator. It's, it is cool, by the way. I get to sit here and fly this plane. I mean, you can't see it, but it's out there. It's, it's, it's moving. And the reality is this. It has buttons on it. It has a control button that I can talk to the control tower. It allows me to bank left, bank right, bank up, and crash if I want to. I am in control of the flight. I am in control. But there's also a button on here that Greg showed me and George showed me. And it has autopilot on it. That you can hit autopilot and I release control and I go in autopilot. Listen, you don't want me to fly your plane. But here's the point I'm getting at today. Many of us are holding tightly onto these plans that we believe are from God. And we got say, God, we got this one. Like, God, this is how it should go. And so you pray, you believe, but you don't want to release control of your job. You don't want to release control of your kids. You don't want to release control of your marriage. You don't want to release control of your investments. You don't want to release control of that thing you've been praying for. You think that somehow that God needs you and him to do exactly what he wants. But what we need to do is to hit autopilot disconnect and let God take the reins. Yet it's hard, isn't it? Like, I worked really hard for this, God. Like, I put in a lot of time and thought into this. Like, I know what I'm doing, God. Now, think how ludicrous that thought is. Like, somehow God looks down and says, yeah, you are pretty smart. You know, you probably could do that. Like, and he probably pulls the angels over and says, hey, there's another one. They think they can control their life. Well, I'll just let them for a while. What normally happens if we go into control of our lives? Sooner or later, we're going to need to hit the eject button because our lives are going to come to a screeching halt. So the point is this. Some of us have faith. Some of us have faith plus control. Faith is more than holding on. Faith is hitting the autopilot disconnect and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Even though my mind says this isn't making sense. Even though it's not very clear for me. I'm going to walk in obedience and I'm going to trust you with this. Even though you've birthed this dream in my life, my responsibility is to be to show wisdom in making decisions and ultimately to say, if you can hold the world together like Colossians says, and your hands literally hold things together then surely your hands are better than my hands taking control of my life. Grab your Bibles, and I'm going to show you some individuals who understood that clearly. Turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Turn to Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Stand with me, and we'll read it out loud together. It requires great faith to stand for what you believe and to release control. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Let's read this out loud together. Ready, read. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Let's pause and translate that. No one knows what a cubic is anymore. 
that's 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. That's, that's like ginormous. That would be the translation. He made this ginormous idol of himself. And verse 2. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he has set up. So all the important people, go to verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all other kinds of music... You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. You may have a seat. There are some consequences here. If you don't stand, then you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace. Some of us have heard this account. Some of us have heard it a very long time ago. Some of us have never heard this account. But there was this king who thought so highly of himself that from biblical history we know that around 100,000 people gathered together and in the middle or front of these 100,000 people was this 90-foot skyscraper with this image of King Nebuchadnezzar, listen, in gold. Now, wrap your mind around that for a second too. It's the ultimate picture of, of an ego, Nine feet wide, 90 feet tall, 100,000 people, all the leaders of the land coming together. It'd be like you walking into the big house in Michigan, University of Michigan. 100,000 people and taking this large skyscraper for the halftime show, 90 feet tall, and putting it in the middle of the field. And then having everybody in the, all the stands that are standing now turn and kneel toward. It would be quite a scene to see all this blue and gold kneeling down to this idol in the middle of a field. The consequences were this. If you didn't bow down, then you'd be thrown into a blazing furnace of fire. If you didn't conform, then you would die. If you didn't do what the king said, then it's lights out. So what would you do in that situation? Well, how? We have this 2020 hindsight vision. We can look at this account and say, well, I know what happened. Yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know how it was going to play out. They didn't like read Daniel 3 and then live it out. This was new to them. All they knew is that God was calling them to have faith, to believe in him and not bow down in this case scenario. So everybody's at a dedication service. And so he commanded all of them to bow down when the instruments began to play. You know, it's one thing to be asked to do something. And it's another thing when they add, if you don't, I'm going to kill you. Like, you would probably think about it twice. It's like a parent who has their 16-year-old son. Don't you speed tonight while you're driving. Don't you, don't you get in a wreck or I'm going to kill you. Like, I never, never compute it with me. It just, it never made sense. So, if I get in a wreck... You don't want me to get hurt, but if I get hurt, you're going to kill me. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Here's a question I have for you. Is there ever a legitimate reason to do this? Like, well, God, even though I'm bowing down, even though I'm looking like everyone else here, in my heart, I'm not bowing down. Like, how many times have you done that? Like, well, I didn't completely surrender, but... 
I, 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 I might have knelt like everyone else, but in my heart, God knew that I did, wasn't bowing down. Is that truly not bowing down? So when we have these case scenarios, should we conform and justify, say, well, I had to because my principal said, or my boss said, or the leaders of the community said, or my husband said, or my wife said, should, should we, when do you know that you should or shouldn't bow down? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a choice to make. It was a grand stage for them. Here's what I do know to be true. It is impossible for you to remain anonymous in this scenario. Well, let's demonstrate if we can. Could I just have everyone just stand up here in the main and the link? Just do something for me. Suppose there was this idol, and it's in front, up front here. Let me give you how obvious this would be for us today. This, just how obvious this would be. I'm going to ask that Rob Reed, Tim Helmuth, and Ken Schwartz remain standing. Everyone else, sit down. Like, do they kind of stick out? Can you guys turn around and say hi? Go ahead, turn around and say hi. <laughs> By the way, we got a furnace outside. <laughs> you can have a seat, guys. It is obvious that you would stand out. Now, this is just with 700 plus in this auditorium. Imagine 100,000 people who aren't dressed in blue and gold. <laughs> Maybe they stand up in their red with an IU on them. <laughs> you would stick out. Like, you couldn't, like, hide, like, hunker over and say, I hope no one sees me. You couldn't do what a little kid does when they play hide-and-go-see. You ever done your kids when they're small? You want to play hide-and-go-see? Yeah, ready, count, count to ten. And they go in the middle of the room, and they cover their eyes. And they say, you can't see me. No, these guys decided to do something that defied the image of the little G. And they refused to remain anonymous. Listen to this statement. This is the reality with all of us at some point. You can have faith and you can have control, but you can't have both at the same time. You can have faith in God and you can have control of your life, you think, but you can't have both at the same time. If you want God to do something off the charts in your life, then guess what you got to do? You got to release control of your life. You got to take your hands off the control. You got to say, God, autopilot disconnect. You can't have faith and hold on to the controls of your life at the same time and expect God to do great things. Some of you say, Well, I'm pretty good at this. God, I've been doing it for like 10 years. Like, I'm really, really good with numbers. Like, if you give me this opportunity, I can make the sale. God, I've been doing sales for 25 years. Look, look, I was a number one salesman, realty salesman, the last 10 years in Elkhart County. God, I don't need you. Like, like Lord, I'm pretty good at this. Do you think God says, hey, hey, come here. Take, take a look at that guy down there. He's, he's a really good salesman. Like, he could do a better job than me. No. You see, we need to hit autopilot, disconnect, and release. 
And when we do and step out in faith, it's only then will God do things that are far more than what we could ever ask or imagine. And God is waiting this year to do that in your life. But some need to release control of a child. Some need to release control of a dream. Some need to release control of a sickness. Some need to release control of of a husband. Some need to release control of what they think is their destiny. And you do it more than you think you do. So you know what we do? We control it. Oh, I'll work harder. I'll work longer. I'll work more hours. Oh, I want to be married. So I'm just going to control this relationship. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not letting go of him. Even though I should release him or her, I'm going, to, I'm going to hold on. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Are you going to trust me? Like, I know you want to get married. And I got someone better out there for you. You can either have faith or you can have control. But you can't have both and expect God to do things that are off the charts. So look at the response. So the, 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 the edicts out there, look at verse 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and other kinds of music, all the nations of the peoples of every language, what did they do? Fell down, it says, and worshiped the image of God that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever, your majesty, has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, I want to put in recorder, lyre, harp, pipe, and all other kinds of music, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a what? What's it say? Blazing furnace. But, these astrologers said, don't you love these kinds? My day, we called them narcs. Verse 12. But there are some Jews, like that's a new word to the generation today. You'll learn it later. Talk to your mom and dad. But there are Jews whom you have set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Uh Uh-oh, someone went against the grain. Someone says... I'm going to stand and pray when I'm not supposed to stand and pray because God wants me to stand and pray. But I'm not going to write. I'm not going to demonstrate. I'm going to do it submissively, quietly. I don't see anywhere in this account, by the way. Be be very careful here. We don't have any record that they're just like, hey, look at me. Hey, look at us. They don't see them screaming and yelling. I just picture these three men quietly, submissively, standing and obeying their God and not trying to make a scene. You see, I don't believe they were trying to bring attention to themselves. That's where we go wrong. Because when we try to bring attention to ourselves instead of bring attention to him, we have basically put God out of the puzzle. But I just see them. They're just just responsibly acting obedient to God, and they refuse to kneel in a humble, gentle way. (laughs) But someone did. And we know the consequences. You guessed it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't compromise. You see, here's what I know to be true. Right now, you're being sucked into someone that wants you to conform to their ways. You have friends, these circles that you're in. Hey, let's go do this. Like, it'll be okay. Hey, let's go do that. It'll be okay. 
hey, let, let's go run with this crowd. It'll be okay. And if the purpose isn't to bring light to darkness, then you better retreat and say, what am I doing? Yet these guys were willing to stand knowing that they could be thrown into this blazing furnace. Here's a truth that I know to be true. It's not the thing out there. It wasn't the idol. It wasn't the furnace out there. It's not the thing that holds you back. It's how you think about the thing that holds you back from doing God's will. Like, like it's not always like, boy, that's going to be difficult to do that. It's, like sometimes it's not that thing out there. It's the thing that, that you think about that's holding you back. It's the mind games. Like, oh, if I do this, if I release control, then the worst is going to happen. Dread and panic and fear and these unrealistic expectations. If I, if I submit to my husband the way the Bible says, then he's going to lord over me. And all the while God is saying, just be obedient. Just be in the mind is saying, no, 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 no. It's not the thing out there. It's how you think about the thing. Oh, Lord, if I go on that missions trip, it's not the missions trip. It's how you think about the missions trip that will crumble your faith. And God is saying, release control of those things that you're thinking about. Autopilot disconnect. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a chance. To respond in the way that God wanted them to. You see, we think, what might happen if I do this, God? I don't see anywhere any hesitation. Like, I don't see that, that they, 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 they got together and said, should we do this? Should we do this? Should we do this? As I read scripture, they just stood up and did what God wanted them to do. Faith is not supposed to insulate us. Did you hear what I said? Like, we think it does, though, don't we? Like, we think, oh, if I have enough faith, God's going to protect me. God's not going to allow harm to come my way. I'm not going to have adverse situation. My kids aren't going to get sick. My marriage is going to be perfect. My marriage will never have hardship. Let me tell you something about marriage for a second, in case you haven't already found this out to be true. Marriage is hard. And, and don't be disillusioned by that. Like somehow, like if you're having a struggle in your marriage, like somehow like, like you're the only couple out there. You're human beings. But you have a God that can get you through the difficulties of marriage. And as you walk through these adverse situations of marriage, when you come out the other side releasing control of it, instead of trying to manipulate your spouse and get on the other end, you become stronger together as one. Because when you walk through hardship together and you trust on God, you come out the other side stronger. Can I get one amen out of that? Faith is not supposed to insulate us. When you're willing to take a stand for something you strongly believe in, it could cost you something. There seems to be this false belief in our circles. God will keep us from harm if we have enough faith and that the Christian walk will never have hardship. By the way, you know what else we do? Here's, here's what we do. Okay, God, I'll do this, God, like... I'll let go, God. Like, we broker deals with God. Have you ever been guilty of brokering a deal with God? Like, God, I'll do this if, if, if my investments get a 1,000% return. God, I'll do this if, 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 if you give me that job. Lord, I'll trust you. The re- God, if you spare me from this situation, God, I promise, God, I'll move to Africa and eat June bugs the rest of my life. 
We do. We broker all these deals. Like, like with God. Like, God, if you come through, I, I'll, I'll let go, God, if you do this. It's like, you know, you, I, I have to laugh sometimes when I think about it. You think God looks down and says, man, that's quite a deal. <laughs> he just laughs and says, are you kidding me? How many of you are brokering deals with God right now? God, I'll step out and do that. If you promise, God, you come through for me. God, 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 God I'll move to Ohio if, if, if you give me my wife. God, I'll, I'll, I'll share my faith, God, on the basketball team if you let me start and score 44 points the next game. We broker all these deals. I don't see a deal being brokered in Scripture or here. It's just three men that said, hey, I'm just being obedient submissively, quietly, standing and believing. Come fire and death or release from God, either or, I'm standing because I want to be obedient. Nebuchadnezzar was not used to being defied. In fact, look at verse 13. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was furious with rage. So these men were brought before the king. Can you imagine the look on his face? Like, I, I like jump in scripture. Like, it wasn't, hey, come on in. Look at verse 14. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, he's given a second chance. Flute, zither, lyre, harp, recorder, pipe, and all other kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good then. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Can you picture these men now? Like, they were standing before a 90-foot idol, and now they're looking eyeball to eyeball to eyeball. Have you ever looked at someone that like, is furious with rage? Did they go like this? Did they have their heads down? I believe they looked him right in the eyes in faith. And they heard him talk and they had confidence in their God, basically. Lord, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm not backing down. I'm not retreating. I'm being defiant in your name. So he's ticked at him. He tries to give him a second chance, which I find very interesting. The very king who said, if you don't do this, you will die immediately. That's what it says in verse 4 through 6. Now he gives him a second chance. Because I, I think in his mind, like, he just couldn't believe that someone would stand up. I believe in his mind it was like, maybe they didn't hear. Maybe they didn't hear it clearly like it was supposed to be right now. He just couldn't believe that there was these people who had the audacity to defy him. So he was furious with rage. It was their chance to shine, an opportunity to stand for Jesus. I wonder how many opportunities God has brought your way over this past year to stand and not conform. Yet you retreated away because of fear and you wanted control of your life. I wonder how many opportunities he's going to bring you this year where you can be more than conqueror in Christ. One of the saddest passages in Scripture that I'm aware of is found in Jeremiah chapter 46. Keep your finger here and turn back about two or three books to Jeremiah chapter 46. 
King Nebuchadnezzar is reigning. And Jeremiah is about to bring a word, a report to these people of Egypt. Look at Jeremiah chapter 46 and verse 13. Many of us miss the opportunity because we're fearful of releasing control of our lives to God. Jeremiah chapter 46 and verses 13 to 17 says this. This is the message the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, the prophet, about the coming of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to attack Egypt. So he's given a report. Nebuchadnezzar's coming. And he says this. Announce this in Egypt and proclaim it in Migdol. Proclaim it also in Memphis and Tephanes. Take your positions and get ready for the sword devours those around you. Why will your warriors be laid low? They cannot stand, for the Lord will push them down. They will stumble repeatedly. They will fall over each other. They will say, get up, let us go back to our own people and our own native lands, away from the sword of the oppressor. So he gives this word. Now look at verse 17 very carefully. I pray that this would never be us. There they will exclaim, Pharaoh king of Egypt is only a loud what? Noise. He has missed his what? Look at that again. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is only a loud noise. He has missed his opportunity to stand in a defiant way and saying, not on my watch. And you know how he's remembered? Wah, 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 wah. Oh, I pray that we're not just remembered as just a loud noise. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm good at. Hey, I have control of my life. Look at my kingdom. Look how much I've built. Look what I did. Look, look what I accomplished. Look at me. I did this. I did that. Look, I'm really good. I'm smart. I'm smarter than her. I'm smarter than him. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And miss the opportunity to hit autopilot, disconnect, and watch God do something off the charts. How are you trying to control your life right now? How are you trying to control your child's life? Like, I hope they go on this path, and so I'm controlling them. I'm making sure this friend's in their life. I'm making sure this woman's in their life, this man. I'm making sure they have this and that, and I'm going to take them here and there. How are you trying to do that as parents instead of prayerfully giving them over to God and making wise decisions that often have you releasing control? How many of you are control freaks? So he gets another chance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, I believe faith is our chance to put our brave on. And it's where the action starts. When is the last time, like, that you let go of the controls and put your brave on? And just said, okay, God, I'm releasing it to you. King of Nebuchadnezzar says this amazing statement in verse 15. He says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand if you don't bow down to me? And I want to say, <laughs> our God. See, he forgot one thing too, King Nebuchadnezzar, in his controlling of his kingdom. That our God's a big God, that our God's a jealous God, that our God's omnipotent God, and our God can destroy the nations with a flick of his finger in the amens. Brave is where the action is. 
Let me, let, let, me, let me just say something else. If you're bored in your Christian walk, like, if, you, if, if you've actually thought, man, I got such a boring life. Let me, let me tell you something. If you're bored in your walk, then you aren't chasing after Jesus Christ. There's no way. Like, if you're waking up every day and you're, like, bored, like, oh, boy, I get to go to McDonald's again. I get to go eat out and I got a vacation and, like, I've been there before. I've done that. I don't like my job. I don't like this. If you are bored, then you better ask the question, am I chasing after Jesus Christ? There is no Christian in the center of God's will that's not on the front lines and where the action's at. Amen. You see, conformity causes boredom. But loyalty to God puts you right where the action's at. So they respond. Look at how they respond. Look how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond in verse 16 and 18. It's the first time they speak. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. By the way, they didn't speak through for this. They didn't hold their signs up and yell what they believed in and scream at the other people. There wasn't this vocal demonstration. They, they just peacefully stood there and sum, submissively honored their God. And when they had a chance to speak, look who they speak about. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But, just in case, even if he does not, we want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They said this, and listen, this is faith. We will serve God even if he does not rescue us. Are you willing to do that? Like, are you willing to say, God, even if it doesn't turn out the way I thought was best, God, I'm willing to release to you, like, everything. Even if you don't rescue me, God, even if it means I die a martyr's life, Even if it means I lose some friends in school. Even if it means I lose my job. Even if it means people think I'm a crazy, lunatic Christian. Even if it means I get criticism for standing up for Jesus Christ. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this they would be safer in the flames of faith than anywhere else. I believe the truest test of our faith is is when God's answer is no. (laughs) It is. Like, but we don't like that, do we? Like, somehow in our minds, you know, I'm guilty of it just like you are. Like, God, this would really work out. Like, Like, if you could do this for my kids, like, if you could get them this job, and like, God, I'd like if they married. Like, I see Hannah, I think, man, he doesn't have a chance. Like, don't even ask. Like, like there's a part of me that says, you know, those are your fathers. Wouldn't, doesn't, don't arrange a marriage. You sound really good dads, don't they? You laugh, and I, I'm truthful about this. I tell Hannah all the time, say, just let me pick you one, honey. I could pick you out a good one. She just rolls her eyes, Dad. The same for Josh. It's like, like, like Josh, man, there's, and he's got girls asking. He's like, Dad, you know, 
I'll get there when God wants me. No, 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 go now. (laughs) But we think if we can pick it out that somehow it's better, if, 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 if God would do it our way, it's better. Yet these men refused. They just handed over and said, God, whatever. The truest test of her faith is when the answer is no. Philippians 1.21 says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Sometimes dying is just standing up in a group of people and saying, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of that. Sometimes dying for your faith is walking in your community and knocking on a door and telling people about Jesus Christ. Sometimes dying for your faith is, is, is standing in the workplace and being the hardest worker when you're getting paid the less. While in Iraq, on one of our last days, we were able to sit in the home of Pastor Malaf with his family. And so we sat in this room with a bunch of couches. And then with these people, we also sat with Pastor Malaf. We also sat with a lot of his church family, who many of them had fled Mosul, who had fled Nineveh, and were now Christians. Some of them were Muslims before they became Christians. Some of them were Christians and remained Christians. And so we sat in this circle after, after dinner, and we just listened to them talk. It was amazing. And so I, I pulled out my iPad, and I just found myself. I, I didn't talk a whole bunch. I just kept taking notes. Like, to hear a, 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 an Iraqi talk about the Muslim faith, and to hear them talk about America, instead of them being littered with, with the slanted propaganda that we put on our news to hear what their view of America is and their view of, of, of our president of the United States and, and our military and our faith, to hear from another world view about Christianity. There were statements that they were saying about Muslim faith and Christian faith that I, I, I was aghast, like, wow. I remember, like, if I could have, I would have put like a 24 font on my iPad. And here's a statement that struck me. It just, it, it just pushed me back in my seat. If you go to Iraq right now in Kurdistan, there are soldiers that are fighting for freedom for, for, for the Kurds. And they're Peshmerga soldiers. And they're fighting with all of their hearts. And so they're trying to save their country. Against them are what we would call radical Islamists or ISIS. Fighting to take their land, to take their home to kill their people, and basically to overtake northern Iraq, which is Kurdistan, and and some even southern. And so you have these two opposing forces fighting against each other. Karam, one of the believers in Malaf's church, said this statement that I, 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 I quickly wrote down on my iPad. He said this, Peshmerga soldiers don't want to die. And rightly so, they fight with all of their hearts. They fight for a cause, for a reason. They're precious people. They're trying to defend their families. So they don't want to die. So when they fight, they don't want to die. But radical Islamists or ISIS, they do want to die. So when they fight, they don't care if they die. Like, in their minds, they have a lie from Satan that says, if you die and you fight and you die a martyr's life, like you've been bypassed, they have a purgatory, you know that we don't. But they bypass purgatory and they go right to heaven and they get 70 virgins and they live forever. Satan has twisted their mind to believe a lie. So when they go out and fight, 
Like, if I die, I get that. And so they don't care if they die. So when they fight, Karam shared of account where on, on, on Iraqi TV where six to ten ISIS soldiers walked and tried to take a city that was already taken or backed by Peshmerga soldiers, thousands of soldiers, six to ten ISIS soldiers kind of walked in blind daylight, tried to take them on. They're like, that's crazy. He said, no, it's not crazy. Because they think if they die, they got heaven. They're not afraid to die. They have no fear of death. Yet, when you and I die, those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, aren't we promoted into eternal life with the King of kings and Lord of lords? Like, like doesn't the Bible say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? Doesn't the Bible show us that, that we live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever with our Lord and God and Savior? Yet, a radical Islamist, an ISIS soldier, isn't afraid to die because he has believed a lie when in reality he is going directly to hell and those of us who call ourselves born-again Christ followers are trying to control our lives and hold on dearly when we know the truth to be absent from the body is to be present to the Lord. And Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. I asked this question to myself as I was seated in this home, like in, I'm in Kurdistan. Tears running down my face. I got quiet for a moment and I asked this question. Am I fighting to stay alive because I'm fearful of death? Or am I fighting till death because I know where my eternity begins? The answer to that question is revealed by how tightly you hold on to the controls of your life. You see, our faith gives God greater glory. But the problem is we don't give him a chance. You and I can make profound differences by just standing up when others don't want to stand. Wouldn't it be awesome if somehow God used us to reach thousands of people just plainly by saying, we love Jesus in the workplace. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if, if thousands were run to Jesus because we forgave people that most wouldn't forgive. Wouldn't it be awesome if we didn't keep records of wrongs of others and that love was the catalyst for all our actions in life? You see, it's not the waves out there, the adverse things that we're seeing that stop us. It's the waves in our minds that stall us in our tracks. It's not the waves out there. It's not, it's not that, that thing that seems big. It's not that missions trip. It, 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 it's not that, 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 that job. It's not that sickness. It's not that dream. It's not that family situation. It's not that marriage. It's not that wave out there that stops us. It's the waves of our minds that we think God could never get us through this. And it's not the waves out there. It's the waves of our minds that says, maybe I'm not willing if God doesn't come through to die for this. Listen, even if we die for Christ, it's gain. So these brave men 
Verse 19 says, And Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I find that funny because they probably just willingly stood to their feet and said, Here, take me. And they threw him into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing robes, trousers, find that interesting too, I wonder if they have Levi's, turbans and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And then the king's command was so urgent that the, and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One translation says it cremated them immediately. Like, how much hotter can you get than fire? I'm not a scientist. Like seven times, like already fire? Like my mind doesn't compute that. I'm not even going to try to. Some of you can, and um, that's great. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> verse 23, I just know it was hot. And it says in verse 23, And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, like, dude, weren't there three men? That we tied up and threw into the fire. And they replied, well, well, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. Not only do I see them walking around, they're unbound, they're unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. In other words, the angel of the Lord. Guess who that was? Jesus. Let me just say something that's, that, that's important here. Jesus showed up after they stepped out in faith and cut loose of the control of their life. He didn't show up before. It wasn't like Jesus said, hey, grab a hand on three. Let's all jump. He doesn't see him standing at the furnace with Jesus in the middle. Ready? One, two, three. No. He showed up after they stepped out in faith. You know what? As far as they were concerned, even if it meant the death of them, they were willing. Jesus showed up in the flames The king was taken back by this, and he acknowledged that this God was more powerful than any of their gods. In fact, look what he says in closing. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached, opening the blazing furnace, and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come, 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 come here. I I just got to talk to you. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. You bet they did. They had never seen anything like this before. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their head singed. Their robes were not torched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I mean, it's as if they just had a picnic tail when they were eating s'mores. In verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And in verse 29, therefore I decree... That the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God that you and I serve, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be cut into pieces and their houses burned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Any amens? Let me say something. In case you forgot, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Any amens? That same God that did that can do it for you. 
Faith is more than holding on. Sometimes it's releasing your grip and trusting in God completely. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would not bow. They would not bend. And they did not burn. Oh, Lord, give us the faith of these men. Help us to release control. Because we know faith is more than holding on. It's releasing control completely to you. Regardless of what you choose the outcome to be. Because ultimately, God, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I pray, God, in an unusual way, when the storms come, that we would put our brave on. When the storms come, that our faith would surface. And when the storms come, God, we would be willing to leap into a blazing furnace if that's what you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.